I call the meeting to order City of University Heights City Council meeting. Today is June 14th, 2022. Happy Flag Day, everyone. The meeting is being conducted electronically and um, thanks everyone for attending. Uh, we have all five council present. First order of business, approval of minutes May 10th and May 24th. Are there any additions or corrections to either minutes? Hearing, hearing none, the minutes are approved for May 10th and minutes approved for May 24th. Uh, comments from the public. Uh, I see there's one member of the public here tonight. Uh, Warren, would you like to speak or are you just here to listen? Well, I'm here to listen and I guess speak depending on what I hear with the analysis. Okay. <laughs> We'll let you speak during that. And so okay, uh, we'll go to, uh, are there any other members of the public that wanna speak tonight? I don't believe so. Okay, thank you. Um, I'll go to the first order of business, which is uh, Coser Highland intersection analysis. And uh, Troy and I, well, it was led by Troy. Troy and I met with Kent Ralston, the executive director of the MPO of Johnson County and asked him to do a traffic analysis of the Highland intersection. Do you wanna talk a little bit about that, Troy? Sure. I've been approached by, well, Warren was one of the residents, by, but by a couple of residents on Coser and the section of Coser between George and Melrose about speeds on that section. I was aware of a traffic study that had previously done by the, M by the MPO uh, and it was suggested that perhaps a stop sign mid block would accomplish what the residents were open to accomplish. So I had a discussion with the mayor about that particular option and she was able to give me more information about past traffic study and how the numbers did not justify any calming measures. Uh, but allowed me to make further contact. I contacted Kent Ralston with the organization, uh, had conversations with him, and they said they were more than willing to do a traffic study. I was delayed until this spring so that to try to minimize the, I guess, impact of, of winter weather on causing diminished traffic counts, and then also wanted to make sure we scheduled it at a time or that it was, it was done at a time that school was still in session so that it would capture as accurately as possible university traffic. Um, the traffic, and, and Kent can take it from here, but they did do the study uh, earlier this year. Uh, school was in session, it was not during a break, it was during the last semester of school, and Kent can speak to the results of those. Yeah, good evening, everyone. Kent Ralston, uh, as the mayor said, I am the executive director of the Metropolitan Planning Organization. Um, as was discussed uh, last fall, I think it was the police chief as well as the mayor asked our organization to essentially update a study that was done back in 2018, which we did. Uh, the memo that is in your packet uh, documents the findings of the always stop analysis at Co Coser, excuse me, and Highland uh, Drive intersection. Um, I, you know, I don't intend to go into any great deal on detail on this, but I'll just sort of uh, hit on a few highlights. Then I'm, of course, happy to answer any questions you might have. 
Uh, as the police chief mentioned, uh, we did collect data back in April. Uh, it was April 19th through 22nd, or excuse me, 19th through 22nd, yeah. Um, we always collect data for 72 hours, and that is something that's prescribed by uh, national standards. Uh, and that's Tuesday through Thursday, essentially, which are typical uh, travel uh, days. Um, just a few things you'll find in that memo, if you haven't had a chance to look, is that the 85th percentile speed, so not average, but 85th percentile speeds, uh, it's on page two of the memo, are really uh, right in there at about 30 miles per hour. Uh, posted speed is 20 miles per hour, as I think all of you are aware. Um, and what you'll find if you looked back at the 2018 study, which I have here in my hand, is the speeds really haven't changed. Uh, that's a really just about the exact same uh, 85th percentile speeds that we found back in 2018. Uh, the other thing you'll find in the study is that we did conduct an always stop analysis, uh, which you have to essentially meet certain warrants or criteria um, in order to install a stop sign. And what you'll find in the study is that of the warrants that we looked at, uh, none of them were met. And essentially, uh, in a nutshell, there just isn't enough traffic volume on Coser or Highland to actually warrant uh, or meet any of these criteria that are in our, uh, in our analysis. Um, the other thing you'll find in one of the warrants uh, has to do with collisions. Uh, and as far as we can tell, using uh, DOT data, there hasn't been a collision uh, that's been reported at least uh, for about the last 10 years. So um, in our minds, it's operating pretty well. I know that the traffic speeds are a little faster than everyone would like to see. Um, I did look at average speeds as well. Uh, we collect those as well when we put out our equipment. And while we don't use those for the setting of posted speeds or part of the always stop analysis. Just for your information, uh, the highest average speed of any of these locations was 26 mile an hour. So um, again, I know it's a little faster than the community would like to see, but in our eyes, it's actually uh, functioning pretty well. Uh, with that, I'll be happy to answer any questions that the council or public might have and uh, hope this was useful to you all for your conversation. Are there any questions for Kent? Any comments, yeah. Warren, did you want to comment? Yeah, I'd like to comment. So th thanks for doing the study. It looks like it's pretty thorough. <clears throat> and I read through it quickly before the meeting and it looks like, you know, as indicated that uh, it doesn't meet the criteria for a stop sign. I guess a couple of points that concern me is it sounds like, you know, the road's posted at 20 and it doesn't sound like an average speed of 25 miles an hour is a concern, but the averages can be very misleading. If I understand the 85th percentile accurately, that's saying that I think it listed 28 to 31 miles an hour was where the 85th percentile fell. So is that saying that the 15% above that are going in excess of 31 miles an hour? And the volume that I was reading had, you know, 699 cars entering and or 752 you know, the, the volume, the daily volume looked like it was over 1,400 cars. So is that saying that 210 cars or more are exceeding 31 miles an hour daily? So, yeah, so I haven't done the math, but you're correct in your assertion that 85th percentile speed essentially means that 15% of cars are going over that speed. So if it's uh, 30 mile per hour, then 15% of that average daily traffic is exceeding that uh, speed. That's correct. So again, 25 miles an hour average doesn't sound bad, but when you start talking actual cars, that over 200 cars are going over 31 miles an hour a day, 
And I don't know if you track peak speeds. I'd be curious to know what the high speed was because you don't have to sit out in the yard very long to see cars going excessively fast down the street. And I realize it's not a concern for a lot of, a lot of citizens, but right here with us, Mary Panther, Mike Gay, the house is right here. We're halfway in between the stop sign at George and the stop sign down on Melrose. So that's, we're right in that peak speed zone because people speed up from one stop sign, get up to peak speed, I would bet, right on the money right in front of us and then start to slow down as they get down towards Melrose. So I understand it doesn't warrant a stop sign. And again, thank you for doing the study, but I guess, so my question is, is, so what's the solution? What do we do to fix the speed problem? Because I truly believe it's an issue and I think the neighbors do too. Chief, do you want to address that? We can, can continue to, <clears throat> excuse me, try to be a more visible presence. We've had the speed sign up there in an effort. We had it there posted for a long time in an effort to slow speeds. But as Warren stated, on the, and I agree with his, I guess, supposition that probably speeds are reaching a peak right there at the intersection as they go by his house. It's not going to be a constant speed from George to Melrose. So from an enforcement standpoint, they're going to hit that peak and they're going to go back down. So unless we're able to get them right there, it doesn't diminish the problem that Warren is observing or, or the perception that it needs to be fixed. It, it's just, traditional methods right now have succeeded or are successful in, in maintaining speeds of the 85th percentile. I mean, all I can do is go by the data uh, that are what I would say acceptable and safe from a public safety standpoint. That doesn't alleviate Warren's concerns or his neighbor's concerns, yet the data shows that that is a safe section of roadway. As Kent pointed out for that particular intersection, there hasn't been a documented accident, a, a reportable accident that has occurred there. There hasn't been that's not just car striking car, that's car striking pedestrian, that's car striking anything. Uh, I, I'm not somebody that believes we should just ignore an issue until it rears its ugly head, but I think that we have, I think that that is a safe stretch of roadway. So, um, hang on just a sec. Oh, so with, when the speed trailer was there, I think that did help. I think a police presence would be a huge help, especially between like seven in the morning and 8.30 in the morning, between four and six in the afternoon. Uh, you know, it's like clockwork to see some of these people speeding. And I know you can only answer to the stuff that's been reported, but I know just from living here that, you know, six months ago, we watched a, a dog on a leash run out and a car, it didn't hit the dog, but the leash got caught, the, the car screeched to a halt and the leash got caught under the wheel and the, you know it looked terrible but it turned out the dog hadn't been hurt so it's again i i know there hasn't been accidents and that's good and but you know you see things when you live here and again i'm really concerned that that we're we seem to be not okay with but accepting that over 200 cars a day are going at least 31 miles an hour or more up and down the street that's a lot of cars um oh and the other thing was so you know, getting back to what potential solutions could be. So, okay, no stop signs. I know we'd brought up speed bumps before, and I, I know there's some issues with those yet. I see them around Iowa City on various streets. So I don't know, 
why a couple of speed bumps couldn't be put in place. That would certainly slow down cars. I think they'd only go over them once too fast. And uh, the other thing would be the, the instead of the speed trailer, it'd be some uh, signs that monitor the speed, you know, like you've got up on uh, Melrose. I think that's very helpful as people come into University Heights to say, hey, it's, you know, right there, it's 25. But uh, in my opinion, those are, those are things that would definitely slow some traffic down. Warren, may I ask you a question? Sure. So for, from an enforcement perspective, would your, as a neighborhood resident, preference be that visible, you know, here's a patrol car at Highland Avenue, or here's a patrol car in your driveway or Mike's driveway or whatever, visible in that mm -hmm. peak area right. that, is a, that is a visible deterrent to speeding? Or, or as somebody who lives along that street, would you prefer that, you know what, I'd, I'd rather there not be that visible deterrent and instead I want you to try to catch a violator or few. So be more sneaky about it uh, or, or really some combination of both. Yeah, I think visible is much better. I mean, it'd be great that, you know, ticket a few people, but the vast majority wouldn't realize that it happened. And Correct. Okay. I think visible presence would, would have a huge impact. Since the speed trailer isn't there currently, I will make sure that, that and we have been posting on Kozer, but farther up at uh, George, but I'll make sure that we're down there at Highland uh, for some directed patrol. Okay, that'd be great. I, again, you know, it, I know you can't do that forever. It'd be great to, you know, still consider some long-term solutions that, you know, speed bumps or the traffic signs, so on. So that's my two cents. I think uh, other neighbors are just as concerned. So thanks. I appreciate you being, uh, I guess, determined enough to keep bringing it to my attention. So thanks. Sure. Thank you. Troy, this is Doug. I'd like to mention also, I drive right by uh, Warren's house every morning and every night. And when the speed trailer was there, I mean, it was like they were trying to set land speed records. I, I seen 35 mile yeah. an hour. I mean, that, that trailer after a while is just a toothless barking dog. I mean, it doesn't really do anything. It, it Once in a while, when you first put it out, it, it you can see a lot of brake lights come on and then you can see a lot of people, they don't even, they don't even bother slowing down. They know it's just a scarecrow and after a while they're not scared anymore but um also up there on george street going south toward the the old folks on there that's another stretch of road where they get a pretty good head of steam going up and i've seen people roll through that stop sign there it's almost an invisible stop sign there at the the uh, water fountain there and uh, i've seen a lot of folks down there that uh, you know i'm on my motorcycle going 20 and they just like they're gone i mean they're they're already up to Benton Street by the time I get halfway up to the, the park, you know, so I know they're cooking all of 30 mile an hour heading south. Right. Kent can speak to this if, if there's a desire to, but that's the issue with some of the electronic signs, uh, warning signs like that is they do have it. They prove to be very effective for a short time period. But I, if I remember correctly, it's actually about after two weeks. If I remember correctly, that you, that yeah. you start to see the diminished returns. Now, we as a community had other reasons or additional reasons for placing the electronic sign as you enter our community. Uh, and I, I think that it has had that desired effect too. I mean, it just takes away the argument that I wasn't aware or I didn't see the sign, uh, but, but you're right. And I'll, I'll see what I can do to address, it's easy enough to increase some directed patrol on those two streets, Doug. 
yeah, yeah. I, I think once in a while you're going to have to have a sacrifice, and then that gets around real well. And and again, it, it kind of goes back to unfortunately our reputation that uh, everybody sees University Heights as a speed trample, and the, the people that come crying to me, I, I always tell them I've never been pulled over for doing the speed limit yet. So that, that usually shuts them up pretty quick. Yeah, yeah it, it's a balance. It is a balance. It is. And it is. We want to, and I, but we'll work on it. I know it's, an, it's something important to the community, clearly. Yes, it is. Yeah, the, the speed trailer, too, I think, you know, it's, it slows down the people that are mindful. And like you said, there's some that just see it as a challenge to see how fast they can go. But I do think when it was taken away, that at least our perception was that the speeds crept up again. So. Thank you. Any other comments? I want to thank Kent for uh, doing this so quickly and uh, their staff is tremendous in helping us whenever we ask them to. Thanks so much, Kent. I had a You're question. very welcome and uh, we're here to help anytime University Heights needs it. Thanks again. Thank you. I think Tim had a question, Mayor. Yeah, sorry to oh, interrupt, Kent. Oh. But I was just kind of curious, is it normal that the, that the, the speed sign lights up when you're going the speed limit it's kind of frustrating when you're going 20 and it lights up yells yeah. at you when you're going 20. <laughs> i agree it's set for 19 it's not set for 20. We and i told that. the police that ah, we fixed okay. that when it was placed at the next location that was a programming that was a user error okay and, and i suppose photo enforcement is open on a big can of worms Actually, it is something that I looked into at a, at a recent training conference that I attended, and I, I don't know that now is the time to get into that, this particular meeting, but I think it has some, I think that it, it might check some boxes. I'm, before I propose it, actually, uh, Doug, I'm curious to see what our disparity numbers come back, our, our traffic contact data, because Frankly, photo enforcement is a way to still calm speeds and address address community concerns of speeding. Yet at the same time, it is it is very much a colorblind. All it is looking at is a vehicle and a speed, and and there can be no question of if 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 a strict logarithm is applied that there's any built-in bias to it. So I'm I'm just curious if if it becomes untenable or or uh, politically difficult to address some speed concerns without there being, you know, other issues put on the table, then I, I think that it's something that is worth exploring. And it might be worth exploring regardless, but I, I just wanted to get through this year and see how our data came out. Okay, very good. That's interesting. I think uh, photo enforcement, just awareness of that would definitely get people's attention. Correct, correct. So I, I have, I've never been a, uh, I guess, proponent of it before, but I had a chance to talk to some vendors and look at some of the current systems that are out there and some of their capabilities. And I was intrigued at a minimum and interested at, a, at another level. But like I said, I, I, I want to see how our data comes out this year, how we come out with, with neighborhood issues. And it's an option that's on the table as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure there's probably some criteria there as well because if we put up one, then somebody else is going to want one, and then somebody else is going to want one. And then I think you might be opening a big can of worms, too, on the flip side of things. I mean, I'm trying to 
trying to weigh, you know, it, it's cost and, and labor intensiveness, you know, chasing down license plate numbers and tracking down drivers and enforcing. And it sounds pretty labor intensive. You know, I, I don't know what kind of algorithm they have or, or what, but. Uh, it is. I, this isn't the media to get into it, I don't believe. But yeah, it is. That's, it is. That's a, it's a big can of worms. That's why yeah. I said that. So I, I think that is certainly something that is worth considering. And, and I can I can put an information packet together for a, a later circulation. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments? Thanks again, Kent. Appreciate you attending. And uh, Warren, please stay on to the meeting and see the rest of the meeting if you'd like. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Um, we'll go, Maggie Berger is here, and we'll go move to finance, and we're going to talk about consideration of Resolution 2220, setting the date of sale for the general obligation corporate purpose bonds. Um, Maggie, you can hear us, right? Oh, there you are. I, I can, actually. I literally just walked in the door from my meeting. I was the other direction from you guys. I was to the western part of the state. So I this is perfect timing. So thank you very much. So um, your, res your resolution in front of you this evening is to approve the use of the official statement. This is a document that is what we call a, an issuer document. It has information um, uh, regarding the city, regarding the debt that you're issuing. It's the 2022A bonds, which are the tax exempt bonds. It is the 2022B bonds, which are the taxable. That is that small portion of debt that, that needs to be taxable based on timing. Um, this document is what we will put out upon your approval tonight and some information that we're gathering from the city clerk. We will put this into the market and this is what the investors use as their document to place a bid. Um, those bids are scheduled to be received from 10 to 10.30 a.m. on June 28th and then 10.30 to 11 for that taxable sale. Our office, um, Mark from our Chicago office, will then be having a Zoom with the mayor and a few key people on the finance team and the city clerk um, that like midday about 11.15 to, ex uh, to explain and, and go through the bids that were received. And then uh, Mark will be zooming into your 7 p.m. meeting. And if I am cleared customs coming back from my trip, I will also be zooming into your meeting. Um, if not, though, Mark is uh, all prepared and has been introduced um, and, and is fully aware of, of what's going on and, and what he needs to do uh, to present the, the final results. So um, are there any questions about that? No questions. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, well, we'll continue to gather the information. And if you approve this resolution this evening, um, you can just let us know that if, if you don't take action now. And then again, we will get that out in the next day or two once all that information is, is there. And that's, that's really the perfect timing. That's, that's the typical timing is that about two weeks before the bond sale, that information is distributed out to potential bidders. Thank you, Maggie. Thank uh, you all for having me. So consideration of resolution number 2220 is before the council. Is there a motion? I'll motion. Motion by Bobby. Is there a second? I'll second. Second by Stephanie. Uh, discussion. Okay, roll call vote. Don? 
Aye. Moore? You're muted, Lisa. You're on mute. Okay. Aye. Thank you. Uh, Schroeder? Aye. Scott? Aye. Swales? Aye. Motion carries 5-0. Thank you. Okay, Maggie. Um, we'll be meeting up at 11.15, just the early Correct. Know, on yep. Zoom, just early on that day to see what the numbers are, and then we'll present it to the council uh, at review that with them at 7 p.m. that night. That is correct. Yes. Thank you. That is correct. Thank you and very you much for all having the, me. You have all the information you need now, right? All the forms are done. And I, I believe so. We're going to check that and we're okay. going to check with IT why we weren't getting your emails earlier today. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Um, then um, what else do we have here under Bobby? I'm thinking we keep going. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about consideration of motion to approve workers' compensation policy renewal and municipal insurance package renewal with the Iowa Communities Assurance Pool for FY22-23. Mike sent those numbers to you in um, his packet. Um, so, um, I, yeah, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, I think, right, Luis? Do I need to make a motion? Yes. I mean, I'll make a motion to approve okay. workers' compensation policy renewal. Okay, is there a second? I'll second. Second by Lisa. Okay, discussion? Um, all in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed, say no. Okay, motion carries 5-0. Uh, then uh, we might as well go and talk about the motion to increase compensation for city staff as provided by the FY22-23 budget. And uh, this is uh, an increase for the... Uh, city treasurer and the city clerk. And he didn't put the previous numbers, but that would be the numbers that we list with their name in our minutes for the audits office. Um, uh, I need a motion to increase compensation for our two city staff. I can make a motion. motion. All right, I'll okay. second. Okay, it was motioned by Stephanie and second by Bobby. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Uh, discussion? All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed, say no. Motion carries unanimously, 5-0. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move back just to clean this up a little bit to go back to the engineer's report and um, Josiah sent around his report and uh, also sent around resolution 2213 for Metronet. Do you wanna talk about that a little bit, Josiah? Sure, thank you. Um, short report this month. Um, <laughs> it was funny, uh, the thing on IMON was that they were gonna start underground work this week. So um, apparently they have. <laughs> uh, How do you know? Was that Metronet? <laughs> And not Imon? Uh, Imon, I guess that's who uh, who was out there today. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, did okay. I say Metronet? Yes. 
Yes, yeah, you sorry. did. So sorry that, about that concerned me a little. Yeah. So Imon's out there. Uh, you know, we approved that last meeting, and uh, they did get all their permits and um, fees and bonds and everything submitted and did their walkthrough. So um, they crossed all their T's and dotted their I's on, on what they needed to do after that meeting. Um, before we hit the Metronet, quick update, the payment marking quote was awarded to Penling at the last meeting. Um, I talked to them today. It sounds like they're going to be doing that in July, after, after sometime after July 4th weekend. And then um, I didn't have it on here, but I see the street sweeping um, uh, payment is in the warrants. Um, that was done as well. So uh, if there's any questions about that, that was completed. Um, so similar to the last meeting with Imon, so now Metronet um, has a matching agreement and uh, resolution in front of the council. Um, this goes back to what we've been talking about for the last year. This would be the second provider building out a, a fiber network in town. Um, I don't have a, much to say beyond that. I guess it would be similar to Imon if, if the agreement is approved and signed and uh, routed around, they would need to get their permit fee and bonds and insurance and uh, pre-start pre meeting all completed before they would start work. So if there's any questions, uh, be happy to answer them. When would they start this? In a couple of weeks or like I'm on, you know, it was like within three weeks, almost exactly. Do you know? Yeah, I, I think Metronet would start quickly. Um, there, there's, I guess, a good point would be that there's two types of work that they're both doing. One is overhead, which is the primary route for, for most of town. And then there's some underground. Um, that's the same for IMON and Metronet. So they need to get their permits from Mid-American Energy to do their overhead work. Um, and a lot of that is not involved in the city right-of-way piece of it. So they may start sooner on that, but I would expect the underground work would, like you said, happen within a couple of weeks. Okay, thank you. So consideration of resolution 2213 is before the council authorizing permit for Metronet Inc. Is uh, there a motion? Motion. Motion by Bobby. Is there a second? I'll second it. Second by Doug. Uh, discussion. Are they uh, going to be placing yeah. the cable in the same location as uh, the IMON stuff, or how? What's the proximity to IMON's equipment? Sorry, there. Uh, they're they're in the same vicinity, but sometimes not always on the same side of the street or at the same crossing location. Oh my. Uh, Metronet has uh, even fewer underground runs than IMON does. Okay. Any other questions, comments, discussion? Uh, roll call vote. Moore? Aye. Um, Schroeder? Aye. Scott? Aye. Swales? Aye. Gone. Aye. Motion carries 5-0. Thank you. Uh, we'll go down to legal report. Steve sent around a legal report. 
um, several days ago. Are there any questions for Steve? Any comments you want to make, Steve? No. No changes. Okay. Um, we'll move to a city clerk report. Um, Mike, you have a liquor license renewal. Right. Uh, Stella is up for their annual renewal. They have completed all their work. As I said in my report, they've completed all their work with the alcohol and beverages division. They've completed all their local work. Um, everything is in good order and good standing. So I would uh, recommend that you approve this renewal. Also, we may have uh, the Marriott coming back next month. They have changed their Dram Shop insurance provider which may ne necessitate uh, an update in their liquor license. We're looking at that right now. So that could come to you in the July meeting. If they need it sooner, we're meeting June 28th for a that's, little bit. That's a possibility too. Is I, that, thought about, okay. I thought about that. So Okay. Okay, very good. So we're just going to, we, all we have in front of us tonight is approval of a liquor license renewal for Stella. Right. Is there a motion? A motion. Motion by Stephanie. Is there a second? I'll second. Second by Tim. Uh, discussion? Uh, all in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed, say no. Okay, motion carries unanimously 5-0. Uh, anything else, Mike? I don't think so. Next month, I'll be talking about uh, rental permit renewal, which will, we'll put that out to landlords in July that you, our permits typically run August to August. So we'll have some updates with that. But otherwise, I think that's pretty much it. Okay, any questions for Mike? Okay, thank you. Uh, we'll go to city treasurer's report. And um, Lori and I have, right before the meeting, I just saw this uh, invoice from Black Squirrel. Did you receive it, Lori? Did you see it? I did. Well, I can't open it up, but oh, I see okay. the amount. Well, it's $1,500 from Black Squirrel. And uh, it's for two ash trees that were removed from 40 in the city right away at 44 Highland Drive. And he contacted, the owner contacted me last month <clears> and you know, we need to remove ash trees. So what the city has done in the past is set up a 50% recovery. The city would cover 50% and the owner would cover 50% in the city right away for tree removal. And so how this works is uh, Black Squirrel made the bid. I thought 1500 for two big ash trees was a really good buy and removing the stumps so that new trees could put in there. And then the owner will pay the city uh, $750 back. And so that's what was done there. And so I think that's the only add-on bill, right? All I got. Yeah, because I wanted it in this, uh, the budget ends, of course, June 30th. And we had some money in the tree removal budget for that. So, okay. So adding that, are, are there any other additions or corrections or 
um, to the warrants. Is there anyone who has an objection to paying the warrants? Hearing none, the warrants will be paid uh, by unanimous consent. Okay. Lori, did you have anything else? I do not. Okay, very good. Um, then we'll go on to the chief report. And chief, I'm so glad you could send out your report. Means that you had to um, be with family at this time. And so um, did you wanna speak a little bit about? It's, it's the report itself is pretty self-explanatory. I'll answer any questions that anybody has. Uh, really the only comment that's not in the report is, I've said this many times before, but I don't think I can say it too much. I appreciate the support of, of the council, both personally, but also for the police department and, and the work of my officers that can allow me to be where I think I need to be when there's a, a crisis. So thank you. Thank you. So what we have is um, we have the list of the hourly wages that we need to approve tonight because their uh, uh, pay raise starts July 1 with the new year. And uh, so it's listed here. It's a 5.9% increase. And Troy had sent that report last month. Uh, did you want to add anything, Stephanie or Bobby? I, I think it just self-explanatory maybe. Mm -hmm. And so we need to get a um, motion to increase the UHPD uh, payroll, hourly payroll, effective July 1st, 2022. And then this will be recorded in the minutes with their names as we need to do for the audit every year. And so is there a motion to approve this? I'd like to motion, Louise. Okay, good. Motion by Stephanie. Is there a second? I'll second. Second by Lisa. Thank you. Uh, discussion? All in favor, say aye. 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 Anyone opposed? Motion carries. 5-0. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. And... Um, uh, you talked a little bit about the... Uh, air conditioning problem in your report, Chief, and, um, and that the mayor would follow up. And so <laughs> we, we had this discussion in text messages for the past week, and I got a, we got a second um, um, estimate. The first estimate to repair the air conditioning, there's two air conditioning units, one's for the community center and one's for the offices. And, uh, the police have been without air conditioning. And the um, sadly, the uh, warranty ran out January, 2022. And so uh, we got two bids. The first bid was 12,500 and the second bid is 8,000. And so I went ahead, I knew the weather was coming and I went ahead last Thursday and told him to order the air conditioning unit he, he called me today and said it's in. They're going to start tomorrow and put it in and the crane will put it up there at one o'clock in the afternoon. That should be fun for the kids to watch. And then, uh, and then um, by tomorrow night, we should have air conditioning restored at the city office. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I told uh, Bill from Kelly. 
heating and air conditioning. You're making me look really good, Bill. Thank you very much. Um, so the officers are very pleased with that too. So I wanted to give that update and that's an unexpected expense that we have, but we'll discuss more about covering that expense later. And then we have building zoning and sanitation. And I know there's been some issues that Tim's been helping with, but everything's going well, right? I don't think there's anything in front of council now. So we'll go on to e-government. And Lisa, you uh, included a report. Did you wanna comment or any questions for Lisa? I'll just say the thank yous to everyone. Jeff Spike and Ski, Mike Haverkamp, Patricia Gagey, Officer Chris Akers for helping out with the bike breakfast. Um, and of course, Mayor Fromm, who makes everything work like the bike breakfast and the farmer's market. And Steph joined us to help later, right? Did you mention yep. that? Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a rainy day. It was a little disappointing that it was rain. But you know, those bicyclists, they go in rain. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't a big turnout as always, but it was a, still a turnout. So that's good. Thanks, Lisa. And uh, we'll go to, um, let's see, Mayor's report. And my one thing was to tell about the expense with the city office. Oh yeah, I wanna remind people, please come to the farmer's market. It was pretty hot today, but vendors showed up and, and uh, they seem to like that space. I kind of wish we had a little bit of shade, but they're bringing more tents. And I think we're getting more walkthrough from the hospital and even maybe from the hotel. So please come down and see it. And Mike Haverkamp, I'm trying to get cover for him and his band so they can start playing a little bit of music here in the coming weeks. Right, Mike? That's great. I'm, yes, right. Thank you. Thank you. And so uh, now we'll have some discussion of in-person Zoom council meetings. Uh, one of the council members asked that we talk about this a little bit and uh, and I wanted to get feelings of what council would like to do moving forward. Personally, I'm fine with anything we decide to do. I mean, I, I like the convenience of the online. However, I also get that in-person meetings are more, I don't know, they seem maybe they're more convenient for public. I don't know, but. I'm, I'm great with either. I would prefer for now, at least, to stay with the Zoom meeting. And uh, I think the Zoom meeting provides more access for the public, oddly enough. I mean, instead of having to come to the community center, you can Zoom on your computer, you can call in through Zoom on the phone, or you can come to the community center and Zoom there. So I think that's the spirit of the law, if not the letter of the law. But for me, I thought the meeting last week was, I mean, last month was a great example. Bless Doug's heart, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, yeah, I we, was. We had, yeah, go ahead. I was kind of 50 50 on it, but then after that, I'm kind of like 60 40 now. So 60% uh, doing Zoom and 40% in person now. So, and again, every day we just don't know what's going on. I mean, our numbers are seemingly going down, but, you know, how often do we want to revisit this? If the numbers spike up in a month or two, do we jump back to Zoom? And I mean, I don't know how consistent you want to make this. Uh, I'm good with either or. I mean, I, I really am good with either or, but uh, like I say, it's pretty fresh in my mind where I was and, and uh, I didn't even know I was sick till I tested positive. So I don't know if anybody wants to see me. I'm not that good looking, but I don't think you want to catch any germs I had either. So. Are we, um, I mean, maybe this is a question for, well, any, are we getting any requests to go back to in-person? Not from the public. I haven't heard anything from the public. I actually think it's more accessible to be on Zoom with the public um, because uh, they can come into the office and Mike hooks them up or they can uh, use their computer at home. And that's, but I've, I've never had anybody complain or, you know, I don't Zoom. Oh, well, just come to the office like you normally would, you know. And they go, okay, you know, so I think it works well. I, I wear a mask when I go out in public. I've seen some people on council and they can witness that I'm wearing a mask and I didn't know they were going to be there. But uh, I don't, I really don't want to be in that space yet. Uh, I just this last week, I know several people who have COVID and my sister and brother-in-law, he went to Decorah to be with his 90-year-old parents. And then two sisters came in and they all got COVID. And that was just this week. And I think there has been more spikes and I, I would like to stay on, but it's a council decision and um, I don't feel comfortable wearing, if I am up there, I don't think I can wear a mask and at the meeting. I mean, I don't think that's fair to, to listen to people that way. I don't know, you know, I have a hard enough time telling Fairway what kind of meat I want. They gave me the wrong meat, <laughs> but you know, and I try to speak really loud through my mask. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's my personal opinion, uh, but um, I kind of agree with you there. It, I, I feel like if you have to wear a mask, period, then maybe we ought to just stay on Zoom, you know, until we get a few more months under our belt and then we can relax the mask mandate or at least the mask requirement, or, you know, comfortability level, whatever you want to call it, that maybe that'll fall to the wayside. But uh, I just feel like if you got to wear a mask, you know, it's probably a good idea. I mean, why add one more risk factor? to it, you know? I, I kind of feel like I'm fine going back to in-person, but I don't feel strongly enough about it that I'm going to, I feel like I need to like, you know, put my foot down or something. I don't, it doesn't, it's really not a, a hill to die on for me, I guess, right now. Um, so I guess I kind of just, you know, I don't know, like whatever, the, whoever said it, the, the spirit of the, the thing is, you know, you don't prevent people from, from coming. And I think if that's the case, then 
if we're not preventing for people or able to meet and there's no limitations and I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine either way. I'm, I'm really, yeah, I think it's okay. to. I think it's good to have the discussion about it periodically and see where people stand. Yeah. And so I just want to be respectful to the council. And if someone wants to bring up a subject, I put it on the agenda so we can all, and I think that was a good idea. So, um, no strong opinion here either. Okay. Maybe when you feel it, you know, it is clear from COVID to go back to it. Maybe it could be every quarter or something, every three months and do it live or something to mix it up or something like that. At least the winter time, I don't want to get out when it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about today, Doug, when it's a million degrees out? It's warm. I could have met in person today. I don't know why we didn't. <laughs> uh, well, I don't hear real strong feelings for going back. It's, it seems like uh, uh, we'll continue and mm. on Zoom, if, if that's okay. I, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to go into that little space again. And I agree with the mayor. I don't want to wear a mask in a meeting. Um, uh, maybe staff wants to comment, but maybe they don't. I don't know. I, no, I was, I'm probably the only one that actually wants to come back in person, but um, I don't have anything based that off of either. So I'm new on council. I've never done the in-person thing either. So maybe I don't know what I'm pushing for. <laughs> Well, you've served on zoning commission and uh, board of adjustments, so you have some experience of in person. Yeah, I I look not, forward to seeing you guys in person and the interaction that comes with that. But I also understand the health and safety aspect of it, and um, I guess I don't feel kind of like Bobby said. I don't feel so strongly that I need to put my foot down to get my way. If other people are strongly in the other direction. So I'm fine with staying on Zoom. Anyone else want to comment? Okay. Um, let's see. Um, if we, if council's okay, we'll move on to announcements. Are there any announcements? Just that to officially announce that we will be, council will have a special meeting, 7 p.m., June 28th, to accept, uh, now say, make sure I say this correctly, to accept bond bids. That would be my only announcement. Thank you, Mike, for saying that one more time. And that should be a very short meeting, I think, uh, 15 minutes or less, possibly. You know, you never say that because then it's like bad luck. But uh, is there any objection to adjournment? Hearing none, the meeting's adjourned by unanimous consent. Thanks, everyone.